let's get prayed up. And we're looking at something kind of fun. We'll do story time today. It's summertime, and then it'll be Burger Sunday. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, there's a reason that we made the effort to be here, even if we're not quite sure what it is. But on a regular basis, we are disappointed with life. We're disappointed with ourselves. And what we could use is what you created us for, a relationship with you, so that we know through all the challenges, the reason for hope and optimism is that you exist and you know our names and we can have a connection with you that is eternal. It's a bit mind-blowing, but Lord, we want to start that or for some of us continue that right here today. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, let's do this. Last week we talked about Paul and Ananias, Saul. He had a name change when he became a Jesus follower. Some of you are Jesus followers, and it was such a big conversion that people noticed. Some of you just slid right into it, and some of you aren't even sure if you're on Team Jesus yet. But as Saul becomes Paul, he stops killing the Jesus followers. As Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, well, I didn't know you were real. It's awkward. I'll stop. Said, uh, good news, Paul. You are going to have a huge impact in the world. Because there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to hear this Jesus stuff, and you recognize that, you know that, because you didn't want to hear it either. But now that you got it, Paul, you are such a big personality. You have such big gifts. Everybody has a gift. There's a problem for you to solve, and you're good at solving the problem, and the world is better when you do your thing. Nobody's good at everything. Everybody's good at something. Saul, who became Paul, was just one of those people, big personality. He could argue in a good way. And the God of the universe said, I created you on purpose. I'm going to send you out into the world. And he ended up writing half the New Testament. Luke, who wrote this for us, wrote two more books of the New Testament. A good chunk of the New Testament are the two people we're going to read about this morning. And the God of the universe said, great news, Paul. You have a gift. I'm going to send you out to use it. There's a, a, you know the old phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? I almost hate to bring that up because now you're going to spiral into uh, memories and rage of past injustices, but I'm going to take that risk briefly by mentioning no good deed that goes unpunished. If you're young enough that you haven't had that experience yet, then good for you. Enjoy it for as long as it lasts because on this side of heaven, there's going to be some crazy, and sometimes you're going to be involved. So the God of the universe said this last week. We're going to repeat this, but the Lord said to Ananias, who did not want to be involved at all. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Chosen instrument. That's the good news. You have a gift. I have a gift. If we use those gifts, the world is a better place. The expert builder, the creator of the universe, gave you the gift on purpose and then gives you opportunities to use it. The thing is, those those opportunities look a lot like problems to us. The old phrase was, we need problems because without problems, most of us wouldn't have a job. The reason why there are problems in the world is we have the gift to solve that problem for other people. In exchange, you have food, I need food, and I'll, I'll exchange money for it. Mostly donuts and burgers, but the point is, Our gifts are meant to solve a problem for other people. 
the reason why money was invented, the old Jewish tradition, my, my dad's tradition. Money was created by God in order to grease the wheels of relationship. Think of the people you interact with outside of your family. Why do you interact with them? Well, because you're solving a problem for them and they're giving you gifts or certificates of appreciation in return. The underlying problem is one that needs to be solved and so we get involved. Without problems to solve for each other, we wouldn't interact with each other. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel, God's people. And then this uh, real kick in the teeth, verse 16. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, that, see, that's not as much fun, is it? The thing is, we are created for work. In the Garden of Eden, we quickly associate work with the curse. You did it wrong, and now life is going to be hard. You're out of the garden. We can't trust you anymore with perfection. You get it again, but for now, you're on the battlefield of good and evil by your own choice. That's where we live. But before that, Adam actually had a job. He was a partner with God, naming the animals. So first he had to learn Latin, right? Huh? Can I get an amen? Nothing? All right. I think that's a funny joke. Adam had work to do before the fall, before the curse. Work isn't... The curse on work was it's going to get a lot more difficult. It wasn't that, oh, now you have to work. If we're not careful, we think the goal in life is to be independently wealthy so we never have to work. And the creator of the universe is telling you, why don't you read some biographies of those people? Most Vanderbilts, you end up with so much money that you don't need to work. That often doesn't end well. We find meaning in using our unique talents to solve problems for other God's children, whether they're no, they know they're God's children or not. That's where our meaning comes from. So it's not that work was cursed. It's that, well, it's harder than we would like. So now there's story time. Luke, who wrote the book of? Luke, thank you for the one person. And it was a big book. And it was then Luke, first of all, didn't believe the, he didn't even know the Jesus stuff. Then he met Paul as he was preaching to the Gentiles. And Luke heard it and thought, this is intriguing. And then Luke himself went back and interviewed the eyewitnesses. That's why we have the baby stories, because mom remembers the baby stories, right? Dad remembers, you know, roughly your name. Mom knows all the details. So Luke went back and interviewed Mother Mary and all the rest. And Mary told some stories that already make her look good. It was the eyewitnesses' account, because Luke wasn't there. Of the four stories of Jesus start the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke was the only one that didn't know Jesus personally. Met him through Paul. And then the first half of the book of Acts, the second book that he wrote, he kept saying they, and then right around the middle of the book of Acts, it changes to we. Luke is in with Paul. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, this is in modern-day Greece, we met a slave girl. There are more slaves in modern-day America than in America, in the world, way too many in America, in the world than there have been ever in history. There's more people in history. We're still, we're still not good with the slavery thing. Jack said, why'd you make me read the pregnancy one? And I said, well, it could have been sold no more about, about you know, people in slavery thing. And he went, yeah, that's a good point. So I'll take the slavery one, or the pregnancy one. That's good. We met a slave girl 
who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. More about that in a second. She earned a lot of money for her masters. Ooh. The thing about relationship and work is in order for it to work, it has to be a relationship. If you're forcing someone, if you're making them, if it's against their will, that's not going to end well. Work has to be a relationship. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. We've always wanted to know, what, what job should I get? Who should I marry? What's the future going to hold? We've always wanted to know this. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us, right, Luke? Paul has his friends traveling with him, a lot of bandits. You don't go traveling by yourself. This is Paul's, we call it his second missionary journey. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. That's Bible comedy right there. This is exactly what Paul is doing. You would think he'd be happy. The fortune teller who people agree somehow can see into the future. They don't question her abilities. They don't question her integrity. If she says it, people believe it. They give money so that she'll, what's going on in my future? She's the one saying, these, these people are servants of the Most High God, and they want to tell you how to be saved. Into a culture that believed in God's little g. You would think Paul would be thrilled, like, well, thank you. That's the best introduction I've had. And instead... It's sort of like at work. This is John. He's a Jesus freak, and he will be trying to talk to you about Jesus, right? It's not that helpful. Well, I was going to mention it. You're on my list at church. I, you know, there's the two names. I filled them out. It's you, but I wasn't going to tell you that. So look at this. Verse 18. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon, remember, it said it had a spirit. So it was real but not in a good way. Just as there's good, there's evil in this world. Said to the demon within this poor young woman who didn't have a choice, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out and instantly left her. And you go, yay, Paul, way to demonstrate the power of God. And now we have a problem. Verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. Remember, they didn't care about her. They liked the prophet. We're all for prophets. Don't be mad at your boss, at your company, for making a profit. Your job is to make your boss look good. The boss's job is to make the company look good, the organization look good. And if you can't do that with integrity, then find another job where you will work to make the boss look good. And if you're the boss, to make the organization look good. I, I would request that you get the new job before you quit your old one. But that's a side thing. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. Because they didn't care about her. There was no relationship. So it's, you, we know it's not going to end well. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, Luke is telling us this, and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Marketplace. They weren't concerned about this young, young woman's life in any way. She was a moneymaker. I read a Taylor Swift interview. She said the same thing. Taylor Swift has talked about this. Her question is, who really loves her? And who just wants her for the money that she can make them and the entertainment she provides? I couldn't name two Taylor Swift songs, but I can read an interview. And as I was reading it, I thought the problem she's having is it's the relationship. If you don't trust, if you don't have a good relationship with all the money, 
And as I understand it, she does have all the money. Doesn't matter. We need both the money and the relationship. Have you ever seen that study? Would you rather make $50,000 a year or $250,000 a year? Well, I think that one's pretty easy, except there's one caveat. If you make 50, all of your friends make 45,000 a year. And if you're going to make 250, all of your friends clear a million dollars a year. Now which one do you want to be? Most of us choose the 50. Because we'd rather be in good shape with our, with our friends rather than the poor person. Everybody's got a private yacht and their own jet. And you're struggling, just barely making it in a Tesla, right? It's all relative. It's all about the relationship. So, solving problems for each other, providing products and services based on our gifts and opportunities gives us meaning in this world. And if we ever reach the point in both uh, Latin language and in Hebrew, the Jewish language, there's no word for retirement. And I don't know about Latin culture as much, but in Jewish culture, because my dad was, my dad understood you don't retire because the moment, oh, you can stop your job and live off the retirement savings, but the moment you retire from participating in life, then your creator's going to call you home because you're just clogging up space. While you're here, as long as you have breath, you're supposed to be useful, engaging in meaningful work. That's why God invented money. That's why God says relationships are the point of life. So this girl was in slavery. She didn't have the option. She was making money for others. Outside of relationship, that never ends well. Verse 20, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. That's what they said at the marketplace. A number of exaggerations. Most people in the city couldn't care less. They're busy. They're stuck at some traffic lights, and they don't know. They don't know anything about any of this. They don't care these people, the, the owners cared. Now you have to have a reason. They shouted to the city officials, if you've ever wanted to run for office, I would want to say to you why. I know a couple that are in Congress, and I look at them, and they seem like normal, reasonable people. Several of you know them, too. They're from Tucson. Obviously, they're more nuts than I realize because they voluntarily ran for office and won. Okay. This, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. If you're an elected official, part of your job in the Roman Empire is to keep the locals happy. Otherwise, there's going to be a big rebellion and Rome will come in and squash it. And nobody wants that. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. No, they're not. The accusation was they're trying to get people to rebel against Caesar because Caesar is God, little g, and they're promoting a big G God Little G God, big G God. They were saying something much more profound than just rebel against Caesar. What Paul and Silas and Luke were saying is Caesar will someday have to go to face the throne room of the creator of the universe. And then who is more powerful? The Roman Caesar at the end of his life or the creator of life? And the Roman Caesar became a Jesus follower about 250 years after this. So I guess Paul was right. Well, I don't guess. I can announce that Paul was right. But as you know, being right isn't always well received. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And why not? You're a little on edge. There's an opportunity to be upset. What are we upset about? You know what? Don't even care. Let me just join in. Yeah, let's get them. 
and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Well, I don't know how your Tuesday goes, but that would be awful. I grew up in New York public schools. I was never stripped and beaten with wooden rods. In New York, I've always had, I kept my clothes, right? You can tell from my nose there were a few fights but, that I didn't win, but there was no wooden rods. This is ridiculous. One of my friends who on occasion, he's reasonably well-known, gets attacked, a kind of mob mentality. His philosophy is just don't react, don't say anything for two weeks, and it mostly always goes away. But two weeks is a long time when you're under attack. Verse 23, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Here's how it worked in Rome. You're the jailer. You've got a good job. So when they bring the prisoner, and your job is to keep them there, because if the prisoner escapes, whatever their sentence would be now transfers to you. So does this encourage you to be kind? No. And if they're convicted of causing a rebellion against Rome, that's a death penalty. And so if they escape, the, the jailer would get their death penalty. And so the jailer's going to make sure they're in there. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Ouch. I've, I've had to wear compression socks. That's about the limit of what I want to handle. And as you know from experience, there is no grace from humans who are trying to take over the world. You've dealt with them. Ruthless. That's what Rome was. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I mean, in that condition, you're not going to sleep. They were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Remember about a New York subway, right? On occasion, there's some entertainment. It's nice. We were there with the kids saying goodbye to my mom some years ago, and after a Yankees game, they came on and did a little show for us. Had a skit, did some songs. It was nice. The middle child asked for popcorn. No, no, it's not that kind of. We don't eat on the subway, honey. Don't touch anything. Actually, I forgot to tell you. There's some gum under the seat, but don't touch it. Just leave it. There's some entertainment in the jail because the other prisoners are in the dungeon, or at least close enough to the dungeon they can hear Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up, I bet, to see the prison doors wide open. What happens to the jailer if the prisoners escape? There is no kindness. They do not say, well, we did an investigation, and we see that the earthquake caused everything to fly open, so it's not your fault. That's not how the Roman Empire worked. Probably not how your job works. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. You think you have a rough job. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. Which was a shock to the jailer. Usually they would walk out and take his sword and stab him on the way out. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights. You know, you understand, 2,000 years ago, it wasn't ding, right? We got to go find a flame and find the torch and bring it in. And The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Why? Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Everybody knows what they're talking about. Everybody's heard their sermons. Everybody's heard their speeches. It's like, wait a minute. 
I wasn't really listening to what you were saying. I mean, I heard it, but I didn't believe it. But now I'm paying attention. Why did he run and fall down trembling before Paul and Silas? In the matter of how many seconds, he just witnessed three miracles that got his attention. All the doors were open, no prisoners left, which means his life was spared. And three, have you ever been in one of those dark moments and somebody cared? That's a miracle. When the world feels like it's turned against you, you're in the middle of the mob mentality, and somebody cares? Paul just did what the owners we started with did not. Paul cared about this jailer enough to tell him. Put him in stocks. Threw me in a dungeon. There's rats and no good food and you've been a jerk. And then Paul could have watched him fall on the sword, waited till he did it, and then said, never mind, you don't, ah, it's too late. Paul cared. That's a miracle in a situation like this. Caring is powerful. Why do we do Burger Sunday and Sandwich Sunday and donuts the rest of the time? Because if we'll be here together, you can go through almost anything if you don't have to go through it alone. So the two Sundays that that we're not here, you can sleep in, you can. We deliberately don't do it on NFL days. Can I get an amen? Don't need to encourage that. But what we'd rather you do You can go to another church, but you don't have to go to church. If you would just spend intentional time with some friends that maybe you made over burgers, that would be a huge win for all of us. To actually make relationships in this world where we are so disconnected. Verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord. How can I be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they, Paul and Silas and Luke, they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. We say, everyone, I thought we all had to make our own decision, right? Just because my parents were Christian doesn't mean I am. Thought there was this whole thing that just because you go to church, just because you stand in a garage doesn't make you a Chevy, right? I thought, I thought we had to make our own choices. And the answer is we do. And the New Testament word is oikos. The Greek word is oikos our household. It's our friends and our family. So here we say, pray for two people by name. This might explain why Jeremy had 11,000 on Easter, but he talks about eight to 15 people that know you well. They know who you are. They know your character. And if you become a Christian, all of a sudden they're watching you. They're not listening to the sermons. They're not reading the Bible, but they're watching you. The reason I'm a Christian is my Jewish dad married my Christian mom, then my mom made him go to church, and it took. So by the time I came along, I grew up with a Christian dad and a Christian mom, and then I watched them. Believe me, in New York, we were about it, I can tell you. There were times I went to a church in New York, and I was the Christian in the state for a good, good number of years there. But it was because I watched my my mom and dad at home, and it seemed to be true that when I heard it at church, and then when I had my moment with the God of the universe, it felt very real. So I'm a Christian. I'm a Yankees fan because my dad would talk about listening to Babe Ruth with his grandfather, the tailor from from Brooklyn. They would listen to Babe Ruth on the radio, go to games. That's why I'm a Yankees fan. Oikos. It means... 
we want to live this well in part because the people we care about are watching us. Verse 33, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, there's that word again, cared for them and washed their wounds. Only then did he wash their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household, Oikos, were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, Paul and Silas, and set a meal before them, a real one, and he and his entire household were very happy because they all believed in God. Bam. How was your day at work, honey? Let me tell you. It was a little crazy. Shouldn't you still be at work? Paul and Luke together wrote more than half of the New Testament. They lived it. They lived life before they knew God. They lived life after they knew God. And it was so profound to them, they both wrote it down. And they, did, they wrote it down so well that we still have it. The book of Luke, the book of Acts, all the letters from Paul. Here's a disappointment. Paul wrote a, more than a few of his letters from prison. He wasn't visiting. From inside prison, had a little time on his hands. When uh, the hot chick and I got married, her mom for the honeymoon sent us to Rome, hoping to get an audience with the Pope to get the whole thing annulled. But you know what? We're not Catholic, and the Pope was busy. So here it is, all these years later. But... Our, our hotel was just down the street from uh, the Colosseum, and the way the jet lag worked for me, about 4 o'clock in the morning, I was wide awake, so I'd walk down and join tour after tour, going through the Colosseum, and I would say about 8% of what they said had a chance to be true, because they all said wildly different things, but one of the things they all said was, do you see those caves right over there? That's where the Apostle Paul was in prison, and for nine ninety-five, you can go tour those. I don't know that that's true, but he was in prison, and he wrote from prison. I wish I could stand up here, and Pastor Glenn back there, as he preached the gospel all those decades, I wish we could stand up here and tell you, follow Jesus, and life will be easy, but that isn't true. Jesus ended up dead on a cross, so we don't follow Jesus because it's easy. We follow Jesus because it's true. Jesus didn't stay dead. And the challenge to remember is that this day is part of eternity. So we want to live like it. Because tomorrow is too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for being our God in the middle of crazy. There's more than a few times that we even notice ourselves not living up to our standards, say nothing about yours. Lord, if there's somebody here today who would like to start that relationship with you. That ABC prayer, A is to admit that we are sinners. We choose against you a remarkable amount of the time, even on those days when we're pretty convinced that your way is better. B is to believe that you are truly the creator of the universe, that Jesus is the one that makes us worthy of the throne room of God. And C is to choose to follow, to live this day and every day as a well-loved child of God who is never alone. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.